Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Team Gurus podcast. I am Mary Walter. We're broadcasting today from my home here in Truckee, California, and I'm here with Brian Buford. Hi, everybody. This is Brian, and I am in Chicago, Illinois. It is uh, March 25th, 2020. We are right in the middle of coronavirus isolation, and we are here to give you a few tips and strategies, um, both from our own experience and from some of our leadership clients that we've been working with. So we've heard some great stories that we thought it'd be good to share with you, as many of us are struggling during this time in all kinds of new decisions that we're having to make dealing with distractions, and dealing sometimes with sorrow. So we want to be there for you during this time and to help you make it through as a leader and as a team to be stronger than when you came in. I know it's been absolutely nuts for everybody out there and for Brian and I as well. We've had many of our in-person engagements postponed. Um, And last week we had an engagement with a, a team that we ended up doing virtually instead of in person, and it was highly successful. So I think one thing we'll get out of this time is to learn that some of those virtual engagements can be great progress for a team and can help momentum continue as opposed to taking the long off-site in-person engagements. Brian, uh, well, I have a 16-year-old at home that's a little easier to manage than your two kids. I know you have a lot going on. Do you want to kick us off with your recommendation about how to balance everything right now and how to keep your sanity? Sure. Well, I'll just uh, kind of in that spirit say if you hear a slam door or a scream or a cry or I don't know, Elsa singing very loud, then you know that that's on my end. So you'll forgive us since we are working from home. So, yeah, we'll go quickly through these tips. And the, the first is, is to I think it's important for us all to reduce our expectations where we can. And I mean, reducing our expectations of ourselves in terms of what we can get done, reducing our expectations of our, our partner, even if they work or if they don't work, of our kids, of our employees, everyone. I think it's easy to assume, you know, we, we have a little bit more time and we can get more done. But I think the reality is a lot of people's jobs, they actually have more work that's been created as a result of the disruption. I certainly know my wife, who's a CHRO, does, and that's part of the job. So you have more work. And if you have kids and got to watch them, you have less time and not only less time, but less quality time to really focus. And so I think we're all under the gun and to the degree that we can delegate or delay things or dump and not do anything, that would be great. And to just uh, reduce those expectations, because we know that missed expectations cause stress and anxiety and sometimes misunderstanding. So Mary, I know you had a client tell you something related to this. I thought, uh, I thought that that was great. Yeah, you know, yesterday, a leader that I work with said to me that she's really thinking about giving grace to her peers and, you know, giving grace to yourself as well. And I think uh, we are all under tremendous pressure. Uh, Many of the leaders that are listening to this call are having to make decisions that impact people's lives, that impact the business, that are balancing really difficult trade-offs. And so I think giving everyone a little grace. We will make mistakes. I'm hearing from some people that they're really having a hard time focusing and not being distracted and staying committed and staying engaged. So I think giving everyone just a little bit of grace and assuming that they have much going on in their lives that we can't always even imagine. It's a good reminder in this time to give grace to one another. 
Yeah. Great. You know, the other thing that I've seen this last week or two is communication. And I've seen some leaders do a phenomenal job with communication. And during a crisis, it's absolutely critical that your communication goes up about tenfold. So I think when you start to feel like this is ridiculous and I'm over communicating, that might be close to enough because in ambiguity and in uncertainty and people are concerned about what's happening with them, that's when they need clarity. And I, one thing I've seen is some leaders have backed away from communication and haven't been talking to their direct reports as much. And I suspect that's because they don't have the answers. So sometimes as leaders, we think we have to have all the answers. And I guarantee you, no one has all the answers today. Um, You can't make every decision correctly. We are going to make a mistake. And sometimes we just don't know. But I think what your people need to hear from you is that you're there, you're caring, you're compassionate. um, You care about them personally. Asking about their family, I think, is so important. Asking about how they're doing is so important. So if you don't have the strategic answers right now, that's okay. Check in with them as a human being. And I would say that that communication will go a long way with keeping everyone calm, feeling good, feeling engaged, and feeling that their leader is there to support them. You can really make a difference by listening and sharing transparently any information you can right now. You know, I was reminded one of my favorite books called Leadership in the Era of Economic Uncertainty. It's by Ram Charan, and he wrote it like right on the heels of the economic crisis back in 2009. And, um, and he has six essential leadership traits in tough times uh, and, and kind of related to organizational change. Uh, and it's one of them, which I'll always remember, is about honesty and credibility. And so I'm going to read straight from the tip, but he's saying that, you know, as a leader, you can't fake it or bluff it. The only answer is intellectual honesty and humility. Your authority lies in facilitating and understanding potential solutions, not perfect clarity. Tell people how you see things, acknowledge your limits and what you don't know, and get their perspective. And this all requires courage, which is saying something, even though you don't have the answer. So I thought thought that was very, uh, very very applicable. and, And I think those are some great tips, Mary. Very timely. You know, the other thing I've noticed uh, the last couple of weeks is how important strong values are for a company. And this is the moment, you know, we do those value statements and we just say what's important to us. This is what they're built for. This is the moment when that rubber meets the road. And so I've seen some companies that are really aligning well in their decision making with their values. Quite honestly, I've seen some companies aren't as aligned with what they say their values are, and that's creating a tremendous problem for their employees. And I suspect those are both the companies and leaders that are going to really struggle when this is over. You know, this will be over. We're going to get through this, and we will have a next phase of the crisis, and then we will go into normalcy and hopefully um, roaring demand. And during that time, you, what you do today will reflect on the loyalty and the trust and the engagement or not. And I think one key there is what is your values and are you really matching those? So if you say people first, are the decisions you're making for the business reflective of that? And I don't think this is easy. I think that's part of the problem is these values decisions carry consequences, quite honestly, often financial. So if we say people first, 
Um, we may be paying our employees until retail stores reopen, for example. Well, that's a tremendous cost um, to our profitability and revenue. But if you say that and you mean it, you got to make that trade-off. So I don't think these are easy decisions. I don't think they're easy trade-offs. But I do think anyone at any level of leadership needs to just take a moment and reflect. How have you lived your values over the last two weeks? And how will you live them over the next two weeks? And how can you demonstrate that for your employees? And there are many ways to do it. If you can't reach your customers personally in person, um, perhaps you can call customers. Perhaps you can send letters to customers. Perhaps you can think about what are you going to do when you are able to have that contact again. And we've all seen some terrific examples of companies and leaders putting their values first and demonstrating that. You know, I think Salesforce has done an unbelievable job both taking care of their associates and their employees and considering their physical and mental health, as well as taking care of their communities. They've publicly made quite large donations in order to fight COVID-19. We've seen companies like LVMH transitioning from making perfume to making hand sanitizer and Nike uh, making protective gear. So these are all decisions that had financial trade-offs for the companies, but they're doing them because they think it's the right thing to do. So I'm finding, remember, matching your values to your actions right now is critically important. And this is what you'll be remembered for, how you yeah. care about people in the moment and right. how you live those values. Yeah, my, my friend and colleague, David Peterson, and I'll paraphrase, but one of my favorite quotes from, from his work and from his teachings is, you really know your values, really know what you believe and what you stand for when you have to make decisions and make trade-offs. That's when they really uh, become clear. And I, I think there are some really tough decisions that are, need, that are being made and going to need to be made, kind of in the short, medium, and long term. I've talked with leaders and they're struggling, not wanting to make decisions that impact their employees. But, you know, unfortunately, it's a mixed bag and we've got to make trade-offs. And it can be unsettling and distressing. But even in those moments, there can be, I think, some peace, some sense of calm and being clear on what your values are and what you stand for. And that that's the best you can do and that, that that's what matters to you. That's terrific. You know, I think... If I was leading a team today, one tactic you could use too is on your uh, call with your teams to be asking folks to bring examples of when they've seen the company values being led by one another and recognize and yeah. appreciate that. You know, it'll just keep it top of mind. It's easy to get lost in the day-to-day, -day. easy to get lost in the crisis, and that'll help you elevate and make sure that you're in alignment. Yeah. So uh, number, number four. On, uh, on our tips list is around creating and sticking to a schedule. I think part of the disruption that we've all experienced, it's not just that we can't do the things that we used to and going out into the store and to the gym and et cetera. It's that our schedules were disrupted. And for those of us that have children or younger children, that can be really unsettling. And so I know our family has found tremendous, I guess, solace and in, in some ways in anchoring of just having a, a schedule, a regular schedule that we stick to, try to at least every day during the week. So we, we don't have the schedule that is given to us by our normal life, we can make it. And then there's some clarity there. And then there's some structure. It provides, I, I think, just a sense of calm 
and kind of also knowing what to expect. And I think it's important to do this across all of life's domains. Work time, family time, health. If you have things that you can do at home and, and if, if we're creative and resourceful enough, we can all find a workout that we can do at home without any weights. Our, our spiritual life, all, all of those dimensions, we can create and stick, stick to a schedule as best we can. But of course, as Dwight Eisenhower said, planning is essential and plans are worthless, but that planning does provide some clarity. Number five, in terms of thinking about the future, and there are a lot of unknowns, uh, a lot of unknowns in terms of uh, ambiguity, when this will end. I, I was talking with a friend yesterday. It was kind of an interesting statistical or uh, epidemiological problem in that um, what, are, what are the measures of success, the indicators of progress that indicate it's time to kind of ease out of the shelter in place? We don't know. People are kind of arguing and talking about that. And so with the ambiguity and the unknowns, um, avoid thinking about the worst case scenario, which often a lot of people go to, really bad things that could happen and the impact of that and you know, 40% unemployment, a recession that could go on for years or decades. Avoid both the worst case and you know, the best case. I'll, I'll just say it, maybe a best case scenario is that we can all be back in business by Easter. But rather than doing one or the other, I would say, let's look at the most likely scenario and what's mo the, kind of the most likely thing to happen and then to plan accordingly. And to not just plan accordingly in terms of actions, but also plan accordingly in terms of how we might feel. For example, for those of us that are working at home um, and also trying to juggle being with our kids, there's going to be stress and frustration. And we need to put a plan and think about how can we manage and best cope with that. So identify the most likely scenario, how we can best cope with it, and also how we can handle our the emotions and what we feel to be even more resilient. Terrific advice, Brian. You know, another thing I've noticed with uh, folks right now is the need to truly empower your teams. And I think uh, now is the moment to get out of people's way and to remove any pressure that you can. I remember I had a leader one time who was a chairman of our company say, you know, when, when things are great, that's when you should be really tough on people and hard and have a high standard and be putting pressure on. And when things are difficult, that's when you take the pressure off. And I thought that was really interesting and good advice. You know, people are under so much pressure right now as a boss, as a leader, it's time to take the pressure off um, so that you will get through it together. And I think now is the time to not be in the trenches with people. Now is the time for each leader to be thinking about is the work you're doing, the work that only you can do. Now, you know, eventually when we reopen, if you are a customer facing business that had to close, it is going to be absolutely bonkers out there when you finally do reopen. That's not the moment for you to be in the trenches. That's the moment for you to be thinking about how can you support, how can you remove obstacles? Um, how can you make decisions for the strategic future of the business? And I think this also means you've got to empower yourself. You know, one thing I've found happening is that everyone is overwhelmed with the level of decisions that they're having to make through this crisis. And so each one of us needs to take as much ownership and as much accountability as we can. And that may mean you need to take a partner in decisions, but this is a great chance for you to think strategically 
and to think through, here's an opportunity, here's a problem, here's a decision. What are the three options? What are the pros and cons? And what do you recommend? I think bringing that to your leader, whether that is your leadership, your boss, your CEO, or if you're the CEO of the board and saying, here's what I recommend. This is your chance to really step up and empower yourself. There's tons of opportunity here to make a difference. And I think there's always a way to flip an obstacle and to find the bright side in it that will come out the other side. And this is our chance to do that. The one book I want to recommend that kind of goes along with this of creating opportunity is The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. It's absolutely chock full of both inspiration, of stories, and its tactics, and how do you overcome adversity. And a huge part of the message to me in reading that book is about empowerment, empowering yourself, empowering your mindset, and getting through this in a way that creates not just that you've made it through, but that you've made it through in a way that's better than it was before. So I think there's opportunity here. Let's seize it. And the next tip is to, to the best we can, make the most of this experience and, and challenge. And I forgot the author, but I think there's a book of the title, something to the effect of never, never waste a crisis, right? To, to make the most of it and to learn from it. And so whether that's kind of reflecting and journaling a little bit or doing some kind of you know, exercise, like there's an exercise I recommend if you just want to Google uh, one door closes, many doors open. This is something I learned in my resilience training at the University of Pennsylvania a while back. So it's a great exercise to kind of shift us into optimistic thinking and also gratitude. Another exercise is the three daily blessings, just to do something to, to make the most of it, because reflecting is a way of processing, I think, and that helps us better cope with challenging experiences. And I also think it'll be interesting when we look back in five or 10 or 15 years, because we've never gone through something like this. And it's, it's very, very unique. So make the most of it and kind of transcend the day-to-day -day and, and think about what you're taking from it. Yeah, Brian, I wanna go uh, talk a little about that doors open and doors close exercise. If I understand it correctly, you would take a sheet of paper and make two columns. And yeah. one column is what doors have closed. Yeah. And that could be temporary or it could be uh, permanent. You know, yeah. so maybe, you know, over the next three weeks, a door that's closed is that you can't go out with friends. Right. But a door that may have opened is the opportunity to virtually connect and yeah. perhaps some more time on your schedule than you had before to do so. Yeah. Um, and that way, we're just able to kind of identify sometimes when there's change or there's crisis, we get so caught up in what we've lost mm -hmm. that we fail to identify what it is that we could be gaining. And so yeah. doing that exercise to say, you know, what what is it that is closing? What is it that's um, lost to me? What is it that's changed? And then what might that lead to opening? What are some yeah. opportunities there for yourself? Am I describing that correctly, Brian? Yes, and, and totally. I mean, it's it, the point of it is to to be a, a realistic, um, optimistic thinker. To just say it, you know that you know some some things are going to be lost, and it for some of us it might be jobs, it might be client and project work, it might be target retirement age, and those are just the realities. And then the other column, it's all about. You know, what are the good things that you nailed it on the head, Mary? What are the opportunities, right? I mean, we have to look for them and be very creative in terms of what are the opportunities and the good things that are created. Like, I, I, I can 
say from my own experience, I have played outside with my kids every day for the past, what is this day? Eight, nine, this is day 10 for I think 10 days. And I guarantee you that will never happen again, except for on vacation or when I'm 75. Um, <laughs> by then it might be the grandparents. Um, you know, so I, I find myself, even though it can be challenging, to really see my kids' personalities unfold and to see how they're growing and how they're changing and how they're learning. So I think that that is a real blessing, although it's, it's not certainly easy all the time. I think another opportunity that is emerging is to help. I mean, we know from some of the research that uh, simply extending acts of kindness uh, and courtesy and, and caring for others helps us feel grateful. And there's no shortage of that. So I think there's certainly an opportunity to help. And I, I think the other opportunities for all of us is to be grateful because we're all losing things that may be first world problems. Um, like our restaurants or, or our yoga place or whatever, or ski resorts or the NCAA tournament, we all can be grateful the next time we get to experience those and remember what it was like to not have that because those things, even though they're little, sometimes they're big and they matter. Yeah, I think, and that's our last tip is about recognizing others. You know, I think that starts with recognizing what you're appreciative of those three daily blessings that Brian talked about. I think reflecting on what you're grateful for, be it small, be it big, is so critical to our own happiness. But then think about what you appreciate on your team and those that you're working with, maybe your spouse, uh, maybe your kids, what you're grateful for. I'm personally very grateful for my uh, 16-year-old for doing his classwork every day, first thing in the morning. So we all have things that we're appreciative of others. And now is the time to double down on that work. You know, sometimes when I think about uh, some of the clients I coach, we talk a lot about recognition because I think it is such a powerful tool. If there's something you want to see more of, you need to recognize it and appreciate it. And we often find as leaders that we don't have enough time to devote to that area because we're so packed with back-to-back -back meetings or we have conversations happening and decisions. And so if you have time in your day, a little bit more efficiency due to this isolation, this is a great chance to practice more recognition. I remember uh, a big crisis that I lived through as a leader was 9-11 uh, in the New York market. And I'll never forget that a leader uh, that was leading my function at the time, so he was a few levels above me, um, weeks after 9-11 had occurred, uh, brought me, hand-delivered a thank you note to me because he felt that he my leadership had been impactful to the team. I'll tell you what, I still have that note and I've never forgotten it. And this is a kind of impact that I think you can make as a leader is recognizing the people that are going through this. Everyone that works for you is going through something and some of them are doing unbelievable work right now. Um, they are motivating their team. They are keeping people engaged. They're making difficult decisions. Uh, no matter what their job is. So I think recognizing that and appreciating it is so critical. And it really does go a long way in making people yeah. feel appreciated, feel good, yeah. um, feel engaged. It's a huge part of leadership. Yeah. And I think for, for those of us that have uh, lead larger teams, I also think the reality is, is that we're going to be asking them to do even more difficult things in the future. Right. Right. Most people in companies are going to have 
uh, more to do with less resources. And so connecting with them now, communicating what you see kind of will toughen their resolve and kind of help them focus and, and kind of allow, I think, I'll empower that work to be done and also make sure the teamwork happens. A lot of tough work lies ahead. Got to stay connected now because truly we are all in it together. And I, I was just reflecting, we can kind of wrap things up now. It's, it's, it's absolutely bizarre to me that Tom Hanks, <laughs> Prince Charles, uh, Rand Paul, all three of them have something in common, which is they're all been uh, diagnosed with the coronavirus and that uh, this is just evidence of how interconnected we are uh, across the globe, economically, and certainly biologically, whether we like it or not at this point. So, Wonderful. Yes, I, I agree. And we hope that these few tips or what we've seen out there help you as a leader to move through this crisis and to accelerate out of it, to come out even stronger personally, with your team stronger, feeling better, and to accelerate your results as you come out of it. So we hope that you are healthy, that you're happy, and that you're staying connected through this time. If you like this podcast, please subscribe um, to us. Write us a review on iTunes. That's always super helpful for us. We're so happy to be here with you today. Thank you so much for listening. We're the Team Gurus, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you. And one last thing, if you want us to do more of these in the next coming weeks and you have an idea, email Mary at Mary Walter Leadership or Brian at brianbuford.com. We'll see what we can do. Mary and I, we, we work together on executive team engagements and uh, we were supposed to have been in San Francisco and Los Angeles and some other destinations in the next uh, month. So we have a little bit more time. Um, so send us your ideas or thoughts or questions or comments and we'll do what we can. But everybody take care and thanks for listening.